Welcome to Crafting Solutions to Conflict, a podcast that will explore ways to preserve harmony and to prevent harmful conflict in valued relationships, and also ways to resolve conflict effectively and to restore harmony if damaging conflict should occur. We will delve into specific tips to manage conflict in life and into much broader topics touching on conflict, actual and potential, good and bad, in the world around us. I'm your host, Jane Bettle, and my goal is to share a perspective on conflict that is both practical and positive. My guest today is Baj Townsend, the president of Focus and Sustain, a firm that helps families preserve legacies over generations. Thank you for joining me today, Baj. I'm looking forward to learning more about your work and what in your life has led you to do what you're doing today. Well, I appreciate being here, Jane, and appreciate your work and look forward to being of uh, service to you and your community. Oh, thank you. Baj, as I typically do with a guest, I'm going to ask you to tell listeners a bit about how you've come to be where you are today professionally. Well, that's been quite the winding road, yet purposeful in that wind. I left home when I was 18 with a promise to myself at that time that I would return when I had the tools, the activities, the systems, that which keeps families together when money matters. And what I mean by that is we had a family that was a probably third generation of, of a business that had passed down, assets that had passed down portfolios that had passed down, but without purpose, it had started getting uh, muddied and had started becoming a conflict between various branches and members of the family on really what that money was about to the point where there were, uh, there's a lot of back talk. There were, uh, there was a lot of division and I decided that that wasn't the reason I wanted to stay involved in a family, the bickering wasn't really what compelled me. So I decided that I wanted to bring a new paradigm to the family and to those where money matters. But what I found post that separation was that 70% of families with money lose their money by the end of the second generation both Credit Suisse and Roy Williams, who I had a chance to study with while he was here and was a pioneer in working with families where money matters. They both found independently that in addition to the 70% statistic, 90% of families of wealth lose their assets by the end of the third generation. So it's normal and natural for families to lose that money and to separate due to squandering, squabbling, or spending down of the assets. That's fascinating how you phrase it. I just love that idea of it's normal and natural. doesn't mean we like it, but it's not unusual. That Oh, very good. That is exactly true. And it reminds me of a garden. A garden's natural path is to fall apart and become weeds and, and become blackberry bushes or invasive plants. It's, its natural state isn't to thrive 
and to become the beautiful gardens that we enjoy seeing in person or pictures of. And it is the same with families. It's important for families who have something that they want to pass down with intention and with purpose to find those activities, tools, and systems that lead to tending to and taking care of the um, their garden, that which they have for future generations to also maintain and nourish. Bosh, I'm fascinated by the idea that at such a young age, you had what sounds like a lot of clarity about what you did not want to be involved with, and maybe even some ideas about what you did want to be involved with, How did that happen? How did you, at such a young age, have this idea so firmly in your own head? If I could answer that question, that would probably unlock a lot of doors in my life. (laughs) Uh, So I use one word for that, uh, for lack of uh, revelation, and that is the word grace. I don't know. I just knew that there was a way to keep families together. The winding road that I had to take Uh, was about that journey. There weren't tools around that were public or that that were well distributed. And I know that if my grandfather had known there were systems like what I have built and what others have built, he would have moved earth and mountains to to bring those to his family. They just weren't around. Right. Um, So it took a lot of experimentation, experience, research, questions, study, to get to this place. And I I am very happy that today, I think we have a niche industry here of those who uh, work with families. And I truly believe that over time, it will get much bigger because it's an important factor to families. Absolutely. And to me, what's particularly striking about the normal and natural description that you gave is so frequently, it seems, families feel that somehow they are unusual that we should be able to just do this and have everything work beautifully with no effort, that the money really will grow on trees without any tending and we'll all get along without any effort. And I find sometimes that that can be a barrier to asking for help, this perception that somehow we must be bad people. Ah, I love the way you stated that in that this can be a barrier to finding help. I concur with you completely. And to me, that's a sadness. Yes. And a, uh, but something that can be overcome as long as we're talking about it. And as long as we're willing to put ourselves out there as being able and being willing to have conversations with family and working through the dynamics that they have in order to create something that is sustainable and workable for them. There are resolutions. uh, There are ways to go about keeping a family together for and through generations. Yes. I enjoyed seeing the name of your company as it's displayed on your website, which gives a very welcoming feel, which again, I think is so important when families feel they're in some kind of difficulty or struggle, and that's focus and sustain. Would you tell us more about those words and what those words mean to you? Well, thank you for that question. That's a, that's a big question. The word focus for me is a, uh, an important word because it allows me to peel away at that which is important, that which matters, the why, and not digress into the fluff or to the uh, small talk or the banter that will take me off 
point. I, at one time in my life, I was a competitive tennis player. I was nationally ranked and focus was very important. What focus told me then and showed me then was the importance of being there, present in the moment to get done what needs to get done for the moment, keeping in mind the why, the belief, the intention, the outcome that I want. So that's the focus. And the sustain is keeping it going and maintaining it for, again, for those generations. So tell us if you would, when and how families tend to come in contact with you, seek you out, or learn about you through another advisor or consultant? I find that clients find me through others more than they find me directly. I work through financial advisors, through estate planning attorneys, through business attorneys, through what I call M&A people, merger and acquisition people, real estate development, sometimes even therapists. Those will be professionals who are most likely to refer to me due to questions that their clients have that they don't have either the expertise, the inclination, uh, or the time to assist their clients with. And I think inclination is an important piece of that, that there are folks who just don't want to deal with these issues. Yeah. And I would imagine are very grateful that they can turn their clients to you and that way be of service to their clients and also not have to deal with this themselves. Yes, I would say yes, 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 and yes to that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that you do a variety of things to help families and individuals, Baj, but I am particularly interested in your focus on money. Can you tell Mm. us more about that? Ah, well, I think it came from my own experience with money as a child. I liked money. I still like money. I like money. And I like money because one, it, uh, for me, it developed a sense of responsibility. It also developed for me a sense of why. Why do I want money? So it, it helped me discover for me purpose and belief uh, around money so that I could form a framework around money for myself. That to me was important when I was a kid. When I first was helping families, I thought if I could help them with clarity on what money meant to them, that that would just be the magic wand and everybody would go off into happy land after that. So my first program was focused around money. The cash program, originally it was called the the cash program, now called the money focus program. And it was regarding people's behaviors around money. Uh, also their communication around money, and their systems around money. Okay. At the time when I first developed this, I brought it out to clients in the the early, early, very early 90s, 1990s. It was first an external component. I thought, oh, all I need to do is teach them about the systems, how to communicate and how to control money, and their life will be terrific. And that worked up to a point. But I still remember this one meeting I had with clients and I had taken them to the uh, logical conclusion of our work together and they found the work satisfying and compelling. But I could tell when we said goodbye, there was a look in their eyes when they felt like I was letting them go early. Oh, and yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, something's missing here. 
And so I did some thinking and some reflecting and I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. What I have neglected here is the internal component, their own uh, internal examination of money, uh, much differently than the external uh, systems and, and aspects to money and measurements and activities. So that uh, I loved that look that they gave me because it allowed me to add the final components to the program that goes a lot deeper and a lot more into the uh, inner workings of money in people's lives to where they can find that which makes a difference to them, help them in their communications, support each other in families of of spouses or partners to uh, look at their money together in ways that are very, um, well, as I said, supportive and very uh, dynamic, very compelling. It sounds as if there are a bunch of different things going on there, as I hear it anyway. When you say external, do I understand that that would be what we more traditionally think of as saving and investing and being careful about debt and that kind of financial literacy, as we sometimes call it? I'd say that was a component to it. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. Jane. It also was a system of how do I look at my money? So at the time, it was Quicken and and being able to see my money and be able to track it which is very external and it's, and it's right. a fantastic system. It's nothing, there's, it's a great system. I still use it today and clients still use uh, systems today. To me, systems are important, but it stopped at the systems rather than what are my issues, right. how do, what are my money stories with uh, money. As an example, if you and I were business partners with money, we might have completely different money stories and how that might impact our use of money for the business. Mm-hmm. You might have a money story uh, due to your background with money that might um, support you in being more careful with money and asking more questions and being more unsure about money due to the money stories you have. I might have, due to my money stories, more carefree attitude money. Oh, it doesn't matter. Money does grow on trees. Or we'll get it tomorrow, Jane, don't worry. And so as a result, our money stories might create a lot of conflict as we have decisions to make about money. It's important to know those internal uh, stories. It's important to know how we look at money so that we can learn how to talk about money and deal with money effectively together. Because we will have different stories. We can't oh, sure. different families. Everyone would. I can see also as you describe it, that there would be the internal, this is the story that I carry around in my head, which may not even be a smart one. It may be that I have gone too far in one direction or the other based on my personality and my background and my education, everything else. So there's that piece. And I think from what you're saying, there's the next piece might be, how do I mesh with someone else? Whether it's family money, whether it's business, whether it's both. And then it seemed as if you were also hitting on another piece, which is, how do we talk about it? Very nice. Good observation there. You're very perceptive, Jane. I like it. Yes, I would. Yes, yes, yes. On on those components. And you and I, let's pretend for a moment again that we're we're going into business together. And so we have these different money stories that now could create conflict with us because how do we use our money when you want to be very careful and I want to be very carefree. And that creates some, that can create some tension around 
finances in the business. Now, with families, oftentimes the first generation is uh, more a uh, go get them and they're doing everything they can to build their business. The business becomes can become successful. And the second generation looks at money differently than the first generation due to their experiences around money from uh, their parents. And even differences between first and second generations, between second and third generations around money can differ greatly. And uh, that can become very difficult conversations if that isn't unraveled and isn't perceived with understanding rather than in division. And I think as you describe it, it seems it's so tempting to have a judgmental perspective of, well, certainly my view and my generation's view are correct, when in fact they may be simply different. And yeah. Each is appropriate for its moment in time, but finding a way to talk about that. What do you suggest with families who say, oh, no, we never talk about money? I would just ask them, what is the benefit to that for you? And merely listen. Because there's a benefit to most things that we do when we take consideration and make a choice to do that. And so it's important for me to understand their benefit. And then that I might ask about how is that benefit helping the family long term Mm -hmm. Um, to open. And it's merely to open a conversation for them to make discovery, for them to uh, determine what it is they want. I think that's so valuable when you hear occasionally of someone who will come in to work with a family and wants to provide, or maybe the families want to have provided for them, all the answers. I'll tell you what to do and how to do it. But then that person goes away, and whether that advice fits this family, well, who knows? Yes. (laughs) I confirm. (laughs) Tell, Tell me more about how families evolve over time in your experience and how the money and the lifestyle can fit or not fit? Oh, you inserted a word that I want to look at for a moment. And I I believe what I heard you say was uh, how do families evolve over time with, and then you added with money and, and their views of money and how money is in the family, perceived in the family. And I would like to look at that word evolve for a moment. I think some families evolve and I'm going to say some families devolve. Mm. And so, um, and what I mean by that is some families become very controlling. Uh, I'm going to look at devolve first. Sure. Some parents look at, at uh, or, or some families uh, usually a, a senior generation, uh, can't let go of the reins. And so um, for whatever reasons, they don't want to talk about money. They don't want the next generations to even know how much money they have. They don't want their family to start talking about it because they, the senior generation, might think now the next generation is going to want to take control of the money or take the money away from them or other thoughts. It creates a silence, but an element of trust gets withdrawn or broken yes. here. Um, and so that is part of the devolve for me. Then what can happen is when the inheritance is uh, announced and the distribution is read or revealed in a conversation by attorney, depending on how that's, that is done, then oftentimes individuals already have their own individual agendas about what they're going to do with the money. So then the trunk of the tree is split 
and people go their own way. And the family legacy, the family is really gone because individuals go their own way. Now, let me contrast that with evolving, which was a beautiful word that, that I heard you say, was families can evolve with their money. And I believe they do that by disrupting the family, the current family dynamics. We all have dynamics in our family. Sure. And oftentimes with money, it's a disruptive one. And it's a dynamic that involves silence, that involves control, that involves do it my way, that involves hierarchy, that involves favoritism, that involves all kinds of things that can hurt family relationships. So what I'm looking to do in a very profound, respectful, honorable way to keep the family intact is to disrupt that system. And disrupt does not mean bring chaos, does not mean hurt relationships. What it means is to find a way to talk about money in a way that works for everybody to have a voice to further the purpose of the family money. Mm -hmm. So in this case, family money has to be defined. What is family money? What is its purpose as separated from individual money? Okay. So that would be one way to do that is first find the purpose to that. Now let's communicate that and find ways to help make that work, whether it's setting setting up philanthropic, philanthropic teams, whether it's having a... Um, financial team in the next generations or intergenerationally, but there's all kinds of ways to set it up. But it's for me to first help them understand and discover the purpose of what of this cherished possession that they have that right now people are fighting about in silent or overt or covert ways. <laughs> yes. And I think sometimes there is a belief misguided that if no one's speaking out, then everyone's okay. Yeah, or okay enough that we don't want to upset the apple cart. But it does yeah. seem that that rarely works, certainly from the statistic yeah. you started us with, that this is, this is so common that families, families fail to find a way forward and just allow inertia to do yeah. its damage. Hey, it's easier. I get it. Sure, it is. It's so much it, easier. It, it and- seems it. And they can, de- and they, whoever they is, they can deal with it. I'm tired of dealing with it. Right. And right. Um, of course, understand all that. It's uh, for me, the question is, what will be the benefit to that? Very specific. As you say, that's the focus yeah. and very clear for people to understand. Just name that benefit. And then do you find sometimes folks struggle with naming the benefit of the silence? Yes. And so to name, naming the benefit, often that's the point of the, the voice trailing into awkwardness or into silence or into generalities because they really don't know the benefit. Or if it's, if it's going to cause de-evolution, yeah. then um, they're just hoping that the next generation will deal with it. But they're not going to. They don't have the tools either. They're going to go their own ways, plural, because that's what they know to do. So for me, it's, it's then to help the family discover what it is that they want. What is it you would like for your family to be able to provide how they would like to be, how would they, what they would like to do with the money? 
what what is important to you about them in passing the money on to next generations? It sounds like just the nugget of focus and sustain. Exactly. Right? In a nutshell, yes. right there. Yeah. Yep. Baj, this has been such a pleasure and the time has flown by. I would ask you to tell listeners where they could learn more about you and your work. And of course, I will put that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Jane Ebb. As I tell them, I would like to thank you for providing these podcasts to your community and to your listeners. I really appreciate the way you listen and the types of questions you ask. Very insightful. And this must be wonderful for your, for your community. Thank well, you thank for you. letting me be part of it. And people are, are invited to join me or contact me in a few ways. One, the easiest way is, of course, through LinkedIn. That would be Baj, B-H-A-J Townsend. Find me there. I occasionally, uh, once a month, I do a post uh, through LinkedIn. They can find me on my website, www.focusandsustain.com, and they can enter one of the portals that I have there, Legacy Life or Money. Take an assessment if they wish on that to see where they are and where they're, if they're, how they're likely to succeed, or what they need help on in their journey. And third, uh, welcome to either email me, Baj, B-H-A-J, at focusandsustain.com, or call me at 425-823-0984, and I can get back to them for further communication or conversation. Sounds great. And thank you, Baj. It's been a lot of fun. And I encourage folks to take a look, especially at Baj's website. There's a lot of information there. And as she just described, you can go in different directions and think about what your, maybe I should say, think about what you consider your highest priority to be right now. And maybe after you give it some more thought and some help with Baj, you find it's something else. There we go. Excellent. Thank you, Jane. Appreciate again what you're doing with your community. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Crafting Solutions to Conflict podcast, please subscribe through one of the major apps. You can also find the show on the web by searching for Crafting Solutions to Conflict. For those of you who are new to listening to podcasts, here's something you may not know. Subscribing to podcasts is free. Comments or ideas about the podcast? Let me know at jb as in my initials, at dovetailresolutions.com. Until next time, I'm Jane Bettle.